Friends, if you're joining us for the first time today, or maybe for the first time in the last few weeks, we are wrapping up a sermon series that we've been doing for the last now six weeks on John chapter 15. John 15 is a a chapter in the Gospel of John in which Jesus speaks about being the true vine and his disciples being the branches. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus says seven times, I am the good shepherd, or I am the gate, or I am the bread of life. And the last of those sayings is that he is the true vine and that we are the branches. And these are Jesus' instructions to his disciples before he is about to be arrested and then crucified on Good Friday. And so we wrap that up today, looking at what it means to remain in Jesus. He says it 13 times in 17 verses. But today we're looking specifically at what it means to be chosen by Jesus. But before we jump into our scripture reading, let us take a moment to bow before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, you are faithful and you are loving and you are good towards us. You have sought us out. In Jesus Christ, you have pursued us with a love that will not let us go. You have entered into this broken and sinful world and you have made your dwelling among us. You have come to the lake shore and you have called us by name. And you've invited us to follow you. So we come today seeking a word that only you can give word that reminds us that you are present with us, a word that reminds us that you are not done with us yet, a word that invites us and reminds us that we are called to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so we pray, O oh God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to receive your word this day, that it might grow within us a desire to do your will. But we ask all of these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, And let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Friends, this morning I invite you to join me in our unison reading as it comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Let us read God's word together. Jesus continues, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Transitioning from John's gospel towards the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, we go back to the beginning of his earthly ministry and we find that in Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 1 as Jesus calls his first disciples. Here now from God's words, it comes from Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The truth is, is that everyone desires to be chosen. Whether you've interviewed for the job that you wish to have, auditioned for a role in a play, 
applied to a college or graduate school of your choice, tried out to make the sports team, maybe applied for a grant for your business or for your nonprofit organization, or even asked someone out on a date. We all want to be chosen. As my kids would say, that's facts, Dad. Everyone wants to be chosen. We want others to feel mutually drawn to us as we feel drawn to them. And when you receive that call that you're being offered the job, or when you're contacted that you are starring in the play, or that you get the letter of acceptance to the school of your choice, or that you've made the team, or maybe even received that grant, you are overjoyed that you have been chosen. Most often we are chosen because of our giftedness or our work ethic or our education and intelligence or maybe even for our potential. That's the way the world works, is it not? In essence, we have to earn our keep. We have to work to be chosen. It's not just handed out. And it's true that when we're young, everyone gets a participation trophy. But in life... Trophies and awards are not given for participating. They're only given to those who excel above others. But being chosen also comes with responsibility, for we are chosen to do something. An employee is expected to help the business grow. An actress is expected to make the show successful. The athlete is expected to help the team win games. The student is expected to make their school look good by the grades that they have and what they do after they get out of school. A business or a nonprofit is expected to utilize the grant that they've received to aid the success that it was intended to provide. Being chosen always comes with responsibility to be fruitful. And so as we conclude our sermon series today entitled Remain In, Jesus tells us what it means to be chosen. He tells his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus reminds them the beginning of their relationship together. He initiated the relationship by calling them into his service. He chose them before they chose him. Now, Jesus didn't offer auditions for the role of being his disciple. He didn't even go to Jerusalem and interview the most educated Old Testament scholars. Instead, Jesus searched out each one of the twelve and he called them each to follow him. In fact, Mark tells us that Jesus began his ministry by walking around the Sea of Galilee and he happened to see Simon and Andrew, brothers, fishing, and he called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Mark says at once they left their nets and followed him. Then Jesus walked a little bit farther and he saw James and John, both brothers, in a boat preparing their nets. He called out to them too, and they left their father and the family business, and they followed him. Jesus chooses the most unlikely folks to be his disciples. Fishermen, 
a tax collector, and even a certified personal accountant in Judas. But everything in this process is backwards according to the standards of the Jewish culture. Rabbis had disciples, but the one wishing to be discipled would have to go and ask the rabbi if he could be discipled by him. Not so with Jesus. He chooses his disciples. They didn't ask. He does. This is important because it reminds us that our choosing to follow Jesus is not our choice first. In other words, we can't decide merely on our own to follow Jesus. Jesus is the one who seeks us first and calls us to follow. We can only respond to his invitation to follow by either doing what Simon, Andrew, James, and John did, which is to listen and follow him, or to reject his call altogether. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so we Reformed Christians speak of this as the doctrine of election or predestination. Y'all didn't know I was going to go there today, did you? Often Presbyterians are called the frozen chosen. Ever heard that phrase before? In other words, we believe that God has chosen us, but we don't always hourly show our joy in worship. You won't find very many American Presbyterians waving their hands in worship or dancing in the aisles or singing like their life depends on it. We're not Pentecostals in that sense of the word, even though we also have the Spirit of God residing within us. We just choose to be more reserved in our worship. But nonetheless, we believe that God is the initiator of our faith, that he pursues us in Jesus Christ through his incarnation, and he finds us where we are. And like the very first disciples, he calls us all saying, come and follow me. We are chosen by Christ. We don't have to apply We don't have to be the most educated, the most intelligent, or even the most deserving, for Christ chooses us because he loves us even if we have absolutely nothing to offer. You see, Jesus doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the called. Discipleship is following Jesus and learning from him. Discipleship is watching what he does and then putting what we've learned into practice. As Jesus loves, we are called to love. As Jesus forgives, we are called to forgive. As Jesus reaches out to the lost, so too are we to reach out to the lost. So while Jesus chooses us, which should overjoy us that we've been accepted by him, he also expects us to be fruitful. He says that he chose us and appointed us so that we might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus has expectations for those who are chosen. For we are chosen for a divine purpose, to participate in and do the work of God. And even though Jesus operates differently from the world's standards of being chosen, he still has high expectations for us to bear fruit. Now, over the last few weeks, we've acknowledged that we can't bear fruit unless we remain in him. That's what Jesus has told us. 
Fruit is a byproduct, not something that we can produce merely on our own. But it's also true that we can remain in Him and not choose to bear lasting fruit. Did you catch that? We can remain in Him and not choose to bear lasting fruit. What do you mean by that, you ask? Well, I mentioned before that we all like to be chosen. So when it comes to that um, being chosen part, we like that part when it comes to our faith. And it's a blessing that we have been chosen. We've made the cut, not because we deserve it, because God loves us that much. But there are many people who are simply interested in a faith that requires nothing more than believing that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus is not interested in that. For faith is always an active expression of our lives. Faith is not meant to be passive. It's not something that we hold on to as if we've achieved the minimum of requirements to gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' ministry was sharing the kingdom of heaven on earth. It was sharing the good news of God, providing physical and spiritual healing and nourishment, sharing God's love and grace to absolutely everyone. And Jesus called people to repent of their sins and to believe in the grace of God that cleanses us from our sin and calls us to live into a life of love for one another. God's ways are different from the world's ways. And it is Jesus who has chosen us and he calls us to be his disciples, to learn from him and to put our faith into practice. In fact, Jesus tells the first disciples that he's changing their vocation from fishing for fish to fishing for people. This is the non-perishable fruit that Jesus speaks of. This, my friends, is the mission of the church to share Christ in word and in deed. In fact, after his resurrection in John's gospel, Jesus will tell his disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. At the end of Matthew's gospel, we are aware of what's called the Great Commission, in which Jesus commissions his disciples saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we are meant to be sent people, apostles, which literally means sent ones. And we are sent by Jesus to bear witness to his grace, mercy, and love in our lives. But I have some bad news for you this morning. I have bad news about the Christian church in America. It's not growing and expanding. It's declining at a rapid pace. In the last 13 years, Christianity in America is moving backwards, not forwards. In fact, a 2018-2019 Pew Research Center survey indicated that 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, which is down 12 percentage points over the last decade. In addition, the religiously unaffiliated, which consists of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, 
now stands at 26%, which is up from 17% in 2009. Protestantism and Catholicism in America are also on the decline. In 2009, 51% of Americans identified as Protestant, whereas only 43% do now. And likewise, 23% identified as Catholic, whereas only 20% do now. Yet the religious nuns, those who claim to have no religion, they're increasing. Atheists from 2% to 4% now. Agnostics from 3% to 5%. And 17% of Americans describe their religion as nothing in particular, which is up from 12% in 2009. Another study was done through the Mainline Evangelism Project. It was a four-year study on evangelism in mainline denominations, just like ourselves. And it acknowledged that new Christians are joining the faith in mainline churches, but the vast majority are our own children or new spouses. The findings show that the largest growth occurs from the natural growth of Christian families from the South, where church is a part of the culture. In other words... We have thousands of Christian churches where the gospel of Jesus is preached every single Sunday. Some churches preach it twice or three times, depending on the number of services that they have. But there aren't very many unchurched people showing up in worship to hear the good news. The fact is, our institutional model of church is not working. The church institutionally has existed since the time of Emperor Constantine when Christianity became the the religion of the state. Churches were built at that point freely to worship and people would come to the church and we have operated on that for centuries. But That is not the model that Jesus gives us. In addition to all of that, and I hate to give you all the bad news first, The COVID-19 pandemic has also taken a toll on the church as some members have gotten out of the habit of going to church and no longer see their faith or church as important or necessary in their lives. Church attendance isn't the same as it used to be. Things have changed. A shift has taken place in the wrong direction. But Jesus has appointed us to go And bear fruit that would last. And the problem I find is that we're not going. And we're not talking about our faith with others outside of these walls. In fact, most Christians don't talk about their faith because they don't want to offend somebody. Or because they feel unequipped. Or because it's uncomfortable and they fear being rejected. And yet the greatest command in all of Scripture, in the entirety of the Bible, the most quoted command, you know what it is? Do not be afraid. Repeated over 400 times in Scripture. And we have nothing to fear because God is on our side. He has chosen us. Of whom shall we be afraid? And while we don't have to worry about our salvation, we're also chosen to share the good news that we have received, to carry out God's mission in the world. And the good news is that you don't have to be a theologian to share Jesus. Look at the disciples he chose to follow him. They were not the religious elite. They were not the theologians in Jerusalem. 
they were willing to be shaped and molded as they followed him. They were willing to learn. And in learning, they put into practice what Jesus shared and taught them. They spoke about Jesus because Jesus changed their lives. They had good news to share. And they shared their faith so that others might know the everlasting love and mercy of God and that they might become followers of Jesus too. You see, church, we are called to do the same. We're talking about fruit that will last, eternal work. And it's not our job to save anyone. That's God's work. But we are called to speak of the Jesus that we have come to know, to share our bias for the good news that we have received that has changed our lives, to share the good news that gives us abundant life in the midst of all the bad that the world throws at us. And trust me, we see all the bad all the time. What the world needs is not bad news. It needs good news. It needs an answer. And we know who the answer is in Jesus Christ. What is the good news for you? What has Christ done in your life? How has he changed your life, touched your life? That is what God has called you to share. You see, you never know just how God can use our simple acts of service to bear eternal fruit. Recently, I was going through some old photos we had stored in our basement at home. I was looking for pictures that I had with my grandmother in preparation for our family funeral this Saturday. And I've been tasked in the family with putting together a slideshow of photos. And so while I was going through all of these boxes I hadn't seen in Lord knows how long, I found all kinds of things in them, not just pictures, but all kinds of memorabilia from my childhood and, you know, those kinds of things that you just hold on to. And I came across a letter from a friend of mine that was given to me many, many years ago. And I'm pretty sure it had to be given to me somewhere right when I graduated from high school or into college. I'm not really sure. There's not a date on the letter. But it was a friend of mine that I was really close with in high school and who participated in our youth group together at First Baptist Church in Blowing Rock right down the road. We played church basketball together and we're still friends to this very day even though we don't talk on the phone very often and we don't get to see each other very much. And I want to share this letter to you this morning because it touched me and I think it bears worth understanding how small things can make a big difference in people's lives. Here's what he wrote to me. Dear Jeff, happy B-Day. You have finally come of age. I wish you the best luck in life and everything you do. You are a special person and my very good best at any adjective you like friend. Thank you for being there for me and I will do anything you ever need, anytime, anywhere. You are that brother I never had and for that I love you like a brother. I thank you one more time. If you had not witnessed to me, there is no telling where I might be right now. May God and all his blessing go with you throughout your life. I share this with you this morning not to make me look good, because that's really hard to do. But to emphasize how God can use our faith for fruit that will last. You see, my friend didn't go to church. He didn't grow up in a home in which his family went to church. 
And, and he came to church because I invited him to come to church because he was a good basketball player, and we really needed him on our church basketball team. I mean, my intentions weren't even that holy, okay? But his involvement in that youth group changed his life because through that youth ministry, he came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and he was baptized. He became a member of the congregation. And over the course of his life, God directed his paths. He thought he was going to go into architecture, and he did. And God changed that and redirected that into ministry. He went on to go to seminary, and now he is a teaching pastor at a church in Florida. That would have never happened had he not got invited to church. And truth be told, I probably wouldn't be your pastor if that same youth pastor hadn't reached out and invited me to come to that church. That is how faith works. In Scripture, we find that it is somebody who must share with us who Jesus is. Paul talks about this and says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How will anybody ever know if nobody ever tells them about Jesus? And Jesus has entrusted us to that ministry. He has given us his ministry. He has trained his disciples for this moment to go out and to fish for people and to share what they have experienced and what they know about the Christ that they serve. Jesus, if Jesus hadn't been shared with us, where would we be today? Would we be a statistic? Would we be a nun, an atheist, or an agnostic? Where would we be? You see, our lives matter. Our faith matters. And what we do with our faith and with our lives matters. And according to Jesus, he promises that if we remain in him, that we will bear fruit that will last, for we have been chosen for this very purpose. And rather than being just content with just showing up and growing in our faith, we're called by Jesus and sent out to go and share what we believe and know about the Christ who's changed our lives. It's okay if we don't know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. We don't have to know all the answers because the only answer that really matters is God revealed in Jesus Christ. And so it is our calling to go out. That's what Jesus said. I've appointed you so that you may go. His commission, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Don't just sit on your hands in the sanctuary or in your Sunday school classes and talk about Jesus there. You know, the church in some ways is like a, a trout pond. If you know what fishing's like. Ever been to a stock pond before? Stock pond, there are fish, they're trained to eat anything you throw, right? You just throw in corn and you see them just go at it, right? That's where you take your children to fish first, if you, if you don't know. Take them there first. It'll cost you a fortune because as soon as they throw in their, their lure, they're going to bite it and they're going to catch a fish. The church is like that because we are constantly fed. It's easy to catch somebody who's fed. But here's the thing outside the church, 
The fish out there, they're like native fish. If you go out into a trout stream and you try to throw an artificial lure out there, they are timid. They are going to be less likely to bite it. It's going to have to really be authentic for them to grab it. And when it comes to our faith and when we are called to go out, we are called to share an authentic faith. A faith that means something to us because it's real and we've experienced it. People aren't looking for salespeople. They're not looking for people to pitch all the reasons why they should believe in Jesus. They need to hear the good news because you know it's good news and you've experienced it. And it's so good they need to have it too. God has called us to fish for people. Our call is to go out. You can't catch fish if you don't go where the fish are. It's our job to do that. Our privilege, our calling, our participation in God's mission as the church. And as we do that, God promises that if we're faithful to remain in Him, that we will will bear fruit that will last. In fact, Jesus tells us at the end of John's message to pray for it. He says, ask whatever you want in my name and the Father will give it to you because that's God's will for our lives. That is a prayer that God will always answer with a yes. So friends, may we be faithful not just to be proud that we've been chosen, but to live as chosen people called to bear fruit, fruit that will last for all eternity. May we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.